Listening to sermons as we go about our days, driving around or doing our work, is a perfect reminder of our Lord's promises and of His mercies. This is the mission of Upper Room Media. To make the Word of God accessible to anybody and everybody. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen, glory be to the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, now and ever, the ages of all ages, Amen. The month of Advent, or the month of Kiek, is a very special journey. It's a journey towards the coming of the light of the world. A journey. And every week we progress in the sending of this announcement of great joy. From the announcement to Zechariah about the birth of John, to the Annunciation to our mother St. Mary, to today's visit uh, to Elizabeth. And we see how the Lord is preparing us and reminding us how it is what, there's a, a process to follow, to enter this journey. And St. Mary fulfills this. She gives us um, a template. She gives us a template to follow. She tells us this is what to do if you want to uh, reach this destination, to reach this light. She teaches us the whole concept of going the extra mile, going the second mile. We're, we are called, each one of us, to be second mile Christians. The Lord himself, when speaking, spoke of the gospel of the, the second mile. He said, if someone compels you to go one, go two. The, the extra mile is not uh, a duty, uh, but it's meant to be something the Christian person does by nature. It's, it's meant to be second nature for a Christian. The second mile. Uh, those who do it as a duty have not yet maybe attained the full pleasure of what it means to go the extra mile. If it's still like a, a duty. But we can pray and say, Lord, grant us. Grant us to become second mile Christians. Grant us to understand the meaning of being a second mile Christian. St. Mary again exemplified that. We see how this map shows kind of an idea. They, they say she traveled somewhere between 80 to 100 miles to get to Elizabeth, on foot, from Nazareth, all the way south, near Bethlehem. St. Mary could have just received the Annunciation, and even though the angel told her, well, by the way, your cousin Elizabeth is also uh, going to be the mother of the, the forerunner, John the Baptist. She could have said, oh, that's wonderful, I'm glad to hear that. Maybe send her a, a well-wish with someone, or a gift with someone traveling that way. Or just, you know, wish her well, pray for her. Like people often say, you know, I thought of you today. I, I've been thinking about you. I, I prayed for you, which is beautiful. And it's, it's great to do, but there's a second mile. There's that extra mile. St. Mary went that extra hundred miles to teach us, again, the journey to light is a journey of humility. St. Mary has that. Sacrifice. St. Mary has that. Self-denial. Uh, sanctification in Christ, all the way till reaching the destination of the light of the world. You remember when the Lord Jesus spoke with the Samaritan woman and the disciples came back and they saw him talking with her and they said, have you eaten? Has anyone given you anything to eat? He said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. The Lord again giving us a reminder what it is that will satisfy your soul, what it is that will nourish you. It won't be just um, words, but actions. Sometimes we say, what are the actions? Well, then 
the Lord himself will reveal those to us in due time. The Lord tells us in John chapter 9, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. In other words, the time is limited, right? As long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. So he is that light and he has prepared works for us to walk in, as St. Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 2. We're reminded that the night is coming when no one can work. The time I have a limited time on earth. I might as well use it to its full potential. That I may enjoy what is to come. The Lord Jesus tells us, and again he gives us a model to follow. When he, Before his arrest in John 17, he said, I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. Again, this is a great kind of like motto or goal or mission to follow in life. Imagine that when it's time for me to depart this world, I can say these words. I can say, Lord, thank you for enabling me, for giving me the opportunities to glorify you on the earth, to finish the work which you have given me to do. It says in Revelation 14 that blessed are those who die in the Lord from now on, says the Spirit, for they have rest from their labors and their works follow them. So whatever it is they did here follows them. And we, their opportunities are limitless, truly limitless of the things we can do, starting from our inner circle, our home, to our neighborhood, to our workplace, to our school place, to our cities, to the planet. The, the, the opportunities are endless of things we can do and say. St. Paul tells us, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. What does he mean by redeeming the time? Put it simply, means to, living wisely means use every chance you have for doing good. This is what Ephesians 5 means. Verse 15 and 16 and on. This is what it means. Use every, every chance you get to do something good. Regardless of the outcome, regardless of who. Good is not always actions that are seen by others. But to have that mindset to do good always will accomplish wonders. Wonders. Has anyone here ever picked a watermelon? Ever been picking watermelon at the, the market? Or fruit? I had a funeral here on Thursday of a beloved person who passed away. And uh, his son gave a beautiful eulogy. And he said this about his father. He gave this example. He said, my dad took pleasure in doing good to others. Random strangers. So he gave this example among others. He said, my dad would pick watermelon. You know, he'd be saying he was an expert at picking the best watermelons. You know, tap on it and move it and shake it and look at the sides and look at whatever and all these things that people say they know about how pick, picking watermelons is. And after he's done his whole thing about picking the watermelon, if someone would come by and start looking for watermelon, he says, here, this is a good one. And he passed it on. And he might stay there an extra 10, 15 minutes picking watermelons for others. Say, well, what's the big deal? It's just fruit. No, there's no such thing as it being just fruit. With the Lord, it's not just fruit. Every act of love, every small act of kindness bears fruit for the kingdom of God. It's not just watermelon. It's not just fruits. It's really true. It's very, very true. 
These are examples. I'm sure every one of you either has experienced by done it or has, has experienced it by being the recipient of it. That's why it's called paying it forward. I'm sure you remember a lot of you, there was a passport office used to be on Code Verde 2 Road. Remember that passport office? Some of you might remember. Now it's on Marcella, right? It used to be right on Code Verde 2 where the BMO bank is across from Place Verde 2. And the passport office was there. There was a, the security guard back the federal building has a security guard for the people entering in and out for their passports. This gentleman, I'll never forget his face. And he used to be at the door, like, you know, usually security guards, I mean, with all due respect, security guards, a lot of them today have become not as enthusiastic about their work for various reasons, I guess. I can't blame them. But this particular one, I'll never forget him. Because he used to not only just sit there on his seat reading the paper or whatever, because there was no cell phones back then yet, he would be literally standing at the door as if he's the doorman. And he would open the door and say, Bonjour, welcome, hello, as if he's welcoming them into a restaurant, a hotel lobby, uh, his home. And this was just a federal building. And he would welcome every person this way. And people would walk in looking exhausted and frustrated and in a hurry, and they have to wait in line for their passports. But somehow he found a way to shine some light on every single person coming in to apply for a passport. And then it was marvelous to see because if you sat there long enough, you would see a cycle of light starting to shine in this passport office. People would start holding the door for each other oh, and they start mingling. They don't even know each other. We bonjour, always say long. Yeah. And whatever they would say, they don't know who they are. But because of this person's little act, of kindness, it began shining light. A lot of people complain that it's dark. And by the way, it's already starting to get brighter. If you pay attention, you'll notice now that the winter solstice has come and passed. The days are getting longer, slightly, maybe a few seconds a day, from 4.15 to 4.16 to 4.17. Before you know it, it's going to be longer daylight. And people wait for daylight saving time, but it takes more than daylight saving time to redeem the time. Can't just wait for seasons. Oh, I can't wait for New Year's to come. I can't wait for Christmas to come. I can't wait for daylight savings. I can't wait for Easter. I can't wait for summer. What do you, you we can't live our life with the approach of saying, I can't wait for, I can't wait for. Rather than saying, I can't wait for, I can't wait to say, Thy kingdom come. The approach should be kingdom living, waiting for the kingdom, like St. Peter says, hastening the coming of the Lord. This should be. The mindset. And that's how we redeem the time. Not by waiting for events and another day on the calendar to be flipped. That's not the way to live life. We're not living this way. We're being basically dragged from December 24th to the 25th to the 26th to 20, 2023, 2024. We're not meant to be dragged in this life. The Lord Jesus, when you read the Gospels, was never dragged from place to place. Whether he was going to heal someone or walk all the way to Samaria for the Samaritan woman or go to Mary and Martha's house and see Lazarus or whatever it was. He wasn't dragged from place to place. He was going on purpose from place to place. He teaches us to do so. He says live every breath you take with purpose, with a reason. There's a reason for this moment. There's a reason for this visit. There's a reason for this hour. A reason. That's what it means to bring to life the words, Thy will be done, thy kingdom come. This is what it means. Again, St. Paul learned that 
by his fellowship with the Lord. And he said these words. And he said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. St. Paul understood the meaning, I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. St. Paul learned these words and lived by them. Again, that's why St. Paul had such power in what he said, because he lived every word he said, every word he wrote, every word he preached, he lived it. Because he lived it, it was very powerful. St. Basil the Great tells us, a tree is known by its fruit, a man by his deeds. A good deed is never lost. He who sows courtesy reaps friendship. And he who plants kindness gathers love. Now what does it mean that he gathers love? It's not just that he's gathering love like blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. That's one level. But he gathers love unto everlasting life because God is love. When St. Paul says now abide faith, hope and love. These three. But the greatest is love. Why is love the greatest? Because love is what will last. Love is what remains. Anything you have ever done out of love remains in your account. Under your name, not just for today or tomorrow or for the next 50, 60, 100 years, but forever. It remains forever. It remains forever as a crown of glory on your head as you're crowned by the Lord on that fine day. The day that we enter into His glory. So they say go the extra mile because it's never crowded. You'll notice that they're, they're, the crowded place is always the place where people rush. You know, I want to get the best seat. I want to get the best ticket. I want to get the best flight. I want to get the best whatever. I want to reserve the best time at the restaurant. It's all about getting the best deal, Black Friday, Boxing Day, all these things that people, you know, go crazy about like in a couple of days and a couple of days ago and weeks ago. But the extra mile is never crowded. Try to think of Boxing Day or Black Friday. Try to think of a place on those days that is empty. The places on those days that are empty are the places where people are going not for them, but for somebody else. I'm going to help someone. I'm going to put someone else before me today. My wife, my husband, my children, my parents, my cousins, my relatives, my neighbors, my enemy, whoever. Whoever it is. That mile, that extra mile is never crowded. It's always clear because the Lord is making it clear on purpose to give you multiple opportunities to receive your reward. That's why he said, assuredly, I say to you, in as much as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. The least, what seems to be least to us, the Lord took upon himself on the cross naked to tell us the least begins with him. That's how humble our Jesus is. He tells us, the least begins with me. Could you imagine? The God of gods and the King of kings, He who sits on the throne, He who created the universe, says the least starts with me. That's the self-emptying, humble Jesus we have that was born in a poor manger in an empty place in a small town called Bethlehem. This is our God. And He tells us, live in this mystery. If you choose to live in this narrow way, Glories and blessings and joys beyond your wildest imaginations await you. That's what he promises. For those who are willing to trust him and, and taste and see for themselves. He says, the least of these. 
It says, if you look for me in the least, you'll find me. So imagine the person you despise the most on earth. Imagine the person you find most disgusting on earth. Imagine the person that is demon-possessed on earth. Imagine the person that's living in all kinds of sin that you can imagine. Jesus says, you'll find me in that person. Could you imagine? This is the love of God for his creation. The love of God for humanity says, I could be this guy on the floor that you walk by downtown Montreal. I could be him. Is it very hard for the Lord to disguise himself in a ragged old winter coat and a toque that says Quebec Nordiques and a Tim Hortons cup on his, in his hand with uh, ripped shoes? Is it hard for him to? He created the universe. He can't create in a second a cup of Tim Hortons and a toque and a coat and boots and sit like this on the floor disguised? Of course he can. He does it all the time, by the way. And he says, you can find me there. I'll be there. I'll be there. And that's why when St. John Chrysostom speaks about it, he says, if you can't recognize Jesus in the beggar at the door, you will never recognize him in the chalice. When you receive communion, it'll be just a ceremonial moment of bread and wine for you. But if you recognize him in every single soul you encounter, you will be receiving the living God in the mystical body and blood in this bread and wine. Every time. Every time. That's why Mother Teresa said in the final analysis, it was never between you and him and her and them. It was between you and God. She said always, works of love are works of peace. So don't be weary. Remember St. Mary rushing. She made haste to go all the way to see Elizabeth. Unfortunately, what humanity does quite often, is humanity makes haste to judge, make haste to insult, makes haste to yell at, makes haste to condemn, makes haste to shun, makes haste to refuse, and so on. And yet the only thing we're called to make haste in is good. Rush to do good. Rush to do good. This is where we're told to make haste. Everything else says, put the brakes, slow down. You have two ears, one mouth. Double the listening. We're always told to slow everything down. However, when it comes to doing good, to hastening the coming of the kingdom, rush and make haste. St. Paul tells us, let's not grow weary while doing good, for in so doing, we will reap if we do not lose heart. In due season, we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Sometimes all it means is like on a day like today, December 24th, many people are going to be alone and lonely and mourning and grieving the first Christmas since a loved one passed away, someone that is in terminally ill in palliative care in a hospital, someone that has been... Uh, shunned by their family for whatever reason, many people are going to be extremely lonely today. Especially today, even more than tomorrow. Because it's the eve, right? It's the night where people used to gather for dinner and fun and whatever. We are called to be the light for those who lost their will to burn. Yesterday the church hosted a dinner for the brothers of the Lord, two, two meals in the social hall. One of the people coming, among many that were there, one of them, had just tried to commit suicide three days ago. This is a very difficult season, isn't it? You know, you know very well. This particular person made it alive till yesterday and came for a meal and was given comfort by people who served him food and spoke with him. Maybe he will live till tomorrow or till Boxing Day. I don't know. But the idea is we are called to be that light for those who have lost their will to burn. 
This is what the Lord meant when he says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. This is his work. Father Matthew, the poor says, today joy is our strength and good pleasure is our nourishment. The good pleasure is in doing good. That's why we say glory be to God in the highest, peace on earth and what? Goodwill toward men. This is the goodwill toward men. The opportunity to do good around us. This is our nourishment. This is the food that will feed us. Not Christmas dinner. That's not going to feed us. What will feed us is the will of God. That's why we're called to remember that. At every second. You might have seen this quote by, before by a Swiss philosopher named Henry Frederick Amiel. He said, life is short. And we have not much time to gladden the hearts of those who travel the way with us. So be quick to love. Make haste to be kind. That's what we're called to do. We have a very short time. We're here today, gone tomorrow. It's so short. It's a sojourn. That's why the liturgy say, we are sojourners in this place. It's so short. We're born today, all of a sudden we're already in the kingdom. It goes by like that. It's like vapor. Let's take every opportunity given to us, prepared for us by the Lord. When St. Mary left Elizabeth, it says that she stayed with her three months, three months to take care of her, and then she went to her house. What did she do? What do you, what do you think St. Mary did those three months after? Or like before her delivery? What did she do on her way back to Nazareth before heading back to Bethlehem? What did she do? She wasn't just sitting around on social media. She wasn't just on her phone. St. Mary continued to do more. I'm sure while walking, heading back to Nazareth, St. Mary did more good deeds to other people we don't even know about in the gospel. And more on the way back to Bethlehem to deliver the Lord in the flesh. And more and more and more. This is the call of every Christian. Every single Christian. This is not meant to be for some and not others. A Christian is called to be by default a second mile Christian. Extra mile Christian. It, it's, this should be like glued together when it comes to Christianity. St. Paul tells us, and I leave you with this, be thanks be to God. We should thank God for this, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters, be steadfast, immovable. He says, like, continue, be like flint. Don't let nothing break you. Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding. Not a bit, but abounding a lot in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. It is kept for you forever on that wonderful day where we enter His glory. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen. This talk was brought to you by Upper Room Media. We hope that this talk has, through the grace of God, touched your heart. And we pray that it will not only inform you, but will also transform you and your life with Christ.